Today we discuss Eugene Wyman and Charles Hatcher. You're listening to Bad in the Boondocks, baby. Bad in the Boondocks. Bad in the Boondocks. People put it down, but what you're supposed to do in a small town. Bad in the Boondocks. Bad in the Boondocks. Lord, have mercy, can't help being bad in the Boondocks. Hey, and welcome to Bad in the Boondocks. As always, I'm Stan. And I'm Drew. I like the face you do whenever you... <laughs> and I'm Drew. <laughs> anyway. Oh, wow. Um, all right. First of all, we want to thank our brand new patron. And who would that be? Brett, along with Cheryl and either Dwee or Dwee. Yeah. We suck at pronouncing stuff. We suck at a lot of things, actually. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that sounded, no, that I sounded said we <laughs> suck at a lot of... Okay, whatever. I know, but... Anyway. Also, I'm going to try to get better at editing out some of this sound, but we got an email. It was a great email saying we were hilarious. Thanks. And great. Thanks again. And but that it sounded a little odd sometimes in the background. I think that it's probably whenever we have my little dog Tucker, the wiener dog, in here and he <laughs> starts eating on stuff. <laughs> so he's not in here today, so you shouldn't hear that. If you do, I don't know what it is. You'll have to, have to speak to Drew. Anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks for being loyal because we like loyalty. Mm-hmm. Remember, we're going to the first annual True Podcast Festival in Chicago, July the 13th. It is on the Magnificent Mile. Um, Why don't you get some tickets? Go to truecrimepodcastfestival.com. Yeah. Get you some tickets. Over, yeah. There's over 400 tickets already been sold, and there's going to be some great podcasts there. We're going to be there. us. Ha! wow (laughs) no but there is some real big name ones i think um wine and crime true crime all the time um oh i know that generation y is gonna be there criminal and so on and so on yeah yeah undisclosed oh also without warning is gonna be there sheila Wasaki. Who's up, Wasaki? (laughs) (laughs) All right. I think it is your turn to go for. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Excuse me. mm -hmm. What? Um, Website. Badintheboondocks.com. Dot com. Not dot net. Dot com. Yes. Badintheboondocks.com. And if you want to email us, that is. You can email me at stan at badintheboondocks.com. Or me at drew at badintheboondocks.com. But it's spelled J-E-R-U, not D-R-E-W. Because it is J-E-R-U, yeah, not just Drew. Just to clarify. Okay, yeah. Or you can email Original us website. both at badintheboondocks. badintheboondocks at gmail.com. Yes. 
Greatly appreciate it. All right. Send us your review. Send us your ratings. Send us some thoughts. Send us some improvements. Send us how great we are. Yeah. Tell us how great we are. I love it. Oh, it just gets me so good oh feelings. God. Oh, my God. It does. It really gives me some good feelings. It's like, oh, you're awesome. Oh, you're great. And I'm like, oh, my God. I know oh things. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, your face whenever you did that. Okay. Wow. Oh, and to mention, you cannot see. However, we were at the lake today. Drew spent about two hours out in the sun, and he's red like a lobster. I am. I am. And I also got some great pics. It's Lobster Boy. Yeah. Yeah, we got some great pics of some redneck shit be going on. For real. We, like, we saw people a person riding, on the lawnmower. Riding down the road, because why not? For real. Gotta love, a, gotta love a lake house, or should I say, lake camper with awning, shed, <laughs> porch, jet ski, and even pontoon with some trees growing it's, out it's, of it. It's a work in it's progress. It's awesome. They have parties every weekend. For real. If not every night. Yes. Almost every night sometimes. But well, we we might put those pictures on the um, on our website. Mm-hmm. Might, might. Yep. Didn't you get a picture of the person from Walmart or not? I did. Yeah. I got a picture from the person at yeah. Walmart. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I think it's your turn to go first, right? We don't want to do yes, too much banner. People hate banner. Yes, it is. Okay, okay, okay. It's my turn. Your turn. Okay. Whose turn? Drew's turn. turn. Okay, my um person's name is Eugene Weidman. Okay, he was born in Frankfurt, Germany to the family of an export businessman. And he went to school there. What did they export? I don't know. Oh. Okay. That's 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 lost. But um he was sent to live with his grandparents when World War War One started. During the what? World War One. Oh, okay. Whenever that started. Okay. All right. When was that? I don't know. I don't know. Anything. Wow. I don't know my history. <laughs> like ni- 1920-something? Okay, just go. Is that right? 19- just go. Whatever. Oops, sorry. Quit I banging the table. It. I'm sorry. <laughs> Good Lord. Where? Okay. Is he here? De- during this time, he began to steal. Once he was in his 20s, he began... um. He spent five years in Sarbrooken jail for robbery. <laughs> Sarbrooken. Okay. All right. While in jail, he um, met two men, Roger Million and Jean Blanc, who would later become his partners in crime. After being released from jail, they decided to start kidnapping rich tourists who were visiting France and take all their money. For this purpose, they rented a villa in St. Cloud near Paris. Their first kidnapping was a failure because the victim struggled too hard, forcing them to let go. You said struggle too <laughs> struggled hard. too hard. Oh, Lord. In July 1937, they made another attempt at the kidnapping. Eugene met Gene Coven. Eugene met actually, Gene. Actually, it's Eugene met Gene DeCoven, but I shortened it up to Coven. And why would you do that? Cause it's cause you it's just, a you longer. Just skip Coven, some of his name. It's a she, but DeCoven. I mean, instead of just Coven, you know. Yeah. Then I'll then I'll pronounce um the whole whole right. entire name. Oh. Fine. Fine. I'm sure she would like that. Okay. Um, she was 22 years old, and a dancer who was visiting her aunt Ida in Paris. Aunt Ida. 
for yep. Matt Hearn. No, not really. Yeah. She was very attracted to the tall, handsome German and decided to write to her friend. Was he tall, handsome? Um, yes, he was. Uh. What her perspective? I'm saying he wasn't like ugly beast. Um, no. Okay. Here's what she wrote. Oh, no. <laughs> Do it in German. I, I, I'm going to try the closest that I can, okay. but most of mine always great. turn out to Scott. It'll be great. <laughs> Get in character. Wait. This is straight from her notepad. <laughs> I have just met a charming German of keen intelligence who calls himself Siegfried. <laughs> <laughs> I love the oh movements. Hand wait, on wait, hip. Wait, wait. Hand got, on hip. I've got to finish this. Okay, good. got to finish it. <laughs> wait, now I can't do it. Perhaps I'm going to another one. <laughs> Go. Do don't look at me. <laughs> you keep making me. I mad. wasn't. If you don't look at me. To another YG <laughs> Who knows? I am going to visit him tomorrow at his villa in a beautiful. <laughs> wait, wait. Place near a famous mansion that Napoleon gave Josephine. <laughs> That's as best as I can do. With my hand on my hip. I got my hand on my oh, hip. Oh, wow. I, I when had you to get dip, we dip, we dip. I meant, when I dip, you dip, we dip. Put your hand up on your hip. No. Oh, my gosh. When they <laughs> when they met up, they smoked, and Siegfried gave her a glass of milk, which is... Got some milk. You got like milk. <laughs> <laughs> um... Why would I don't? Why would he give her a glass of milk? I don't know. Why not just give her some water or something? I don't. But whatever. While they talked, Jean took did Jean. Wait, no, that's not right. Oh yeah, I'm just pronouncing her by her first name. Jean took um a picture of him with her camera. That's the what whole, you usually take a picture. The with. whole time that they were talking, so. The camera was later found beside her body, along with snapshots of her killer. Eugene then knocked out, knocked the camera out of her hand, um, strangled her, then buried her in the villa garden, placing the camera beside her. So beside her in the grave. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The group sent um, Millions' mistress to cash Decoven's four hundred and thirty dollars in travelers' checks. Ida sent a letter, which was her aunt, to the group demanding $500 for the return of her niece. Um, DeCoven's brother came to France offering 10,000 francs, which I think that's some kind of... Yeah, it would be money. Money, okay. Reward for information about the young woman. But by that time, she was dead. On September 1st of the same year, Eugene hired a chauffeur named Joseph Koufi. <laughs> Coffee? Yeah. Maybe it's Calfee, but that's not any better. Um, to drive him to the French Riviera, where, in a forest, he shot him in the neck and stole his car and 2,500 francs. On September 3rd, Eugene Emilian lured Janie Keller, a private nurse, into a cave in the forest of Fontainebleau. How do you lure... Okay, go ahead. Wait, wait. It gets even better, though. Okay, so they lured her in the cave in Fountain Blue, 
with a job offer. If you don't quit shaking your hand at me, because <laughs> you won't, come you can closer. hear my voice way just fine. Okay, come on. How, what kind of job are they offering her in a cave? What did she expect them to offer her? I don't know. Was she a sex worker? That's, no, she was a nurse. Okay, go on. <laughs> I think you made the story up. I did not. Okay. Why they would be offering a job in the cave, I have no idea. But he killed her there with a bullet to the neck, then robbed her of 1,400 francs and her diamond ring. On October 16th, Million and Eugene arranged a meeting with the young theatrical producer named Roger LeBlonde, promising to invest money in one of his shows. Instead, Eugene shot him in the neck. They like shooting in the neck. And, yeah, well, in the nape of the neck, so. Well, that'd be right here. Yeah, still in the neck. Yeah, why not the head? I don't know. And they took his wallet containing 5,000 francs. On November 22nd, Eugene murdered and robbed French Frommer, a young German he had met on he had met in jail. Frommer was a Jew and was in jail for his anti-Nazi views. He was as well shot in the neck, and his body was buried in the same grave that de Coburn was buried. Five days later, Eugene committed his final murder, Raymond Lazabre, a, a real estate agent. Um, who was shot in the killer's preferred fashion, which was in the neck, while showing him around a house in St. Cloud. 5,000 francs were taken from him. Officers from the Serrete, which I have no idea really what that means. I'm just going to make a quick suggestion. What? What is Serrete? I wouldn't do another German because I don't think you pronounce hardly any of these names. Right? <laughs> I think I, I think I did some most of them. To I be honest, I don't think you did. To be honest, I think I did. Raymond Lesobre, Lesobre, something We're like not something like that. But I mean, what is a Sureti? A Sureti? Sure. How do you spell it? Sureti. Um, S-U-R-E-T-E. I don't know. It might be Sarit. Well, anyways. Maybe you should have looked that up. I couldn't find it. I couldn't find out what the crap it meant. I looked it up, and I couldn't find out what it meant. But it says, Officers from the Sirueti, led by a young investigator named Pringborn, eventually tracked Eugene to the villa from a business card at La Sabre office. Arriving at his home, Eugene found two officers waiting for him. He invited them in. He then turned and fired three times at them with a pistol. Although they were unarmed, the wounded Sirete men managed to wrestle Eugene down, knocking him unconscious with the hammer that happened to be nearby. Eugene was a very cooperative prisoner, though, and he confessed to all of his murders, including that of De Coven, which that was the only murder that he actually expressed regret from doing. He was reported, he was reported to have um, said tearfully, She was just so gentle and unsuspecting. When I reached for her throat, she went down like a doll. The murder like trial, a doll? Yeah. 
I don't know what that. What is she doing? What is she playing with doll's necks and stuff? She went on? down like a doll. I don't know. That doesn't like a rag doll, sense. maybe. Could be what he's referring to. The murder trial of Eugene Million Blanc and Tricot in March 1939 was the biggest trial that has ever taken place in Versailles, France. Um, present at the trial was French novelist Colette, who was engaged by Parasoria. How do you wow. say this? Parasoria. Sure. Sora. Sure. S O. No, I'm just saying sure. That's right. <laughs> to write an essay on Eugene. Eugene Emilian received the death sentence, while Blanc received a jail sentence of 20 months, and Tricot was acquitted. Emilian's sentence was later commuted to life imprisonment. On June 17, 1939, Eugene was beheaded outside the prison St. Pierre in Versailles. I don't know where that is. Okay. Just, it's just a place. I'll say that. It's just a just place. <laughs> Um, Eugene Weidman became the last person to be publicly executed by the guillotine. The historical behavior by spectators was so scandalous that French President Albert Lebrun immediately banned all future public executions. Unknown to authorities, film of the execution was shot from a private apartment adjacent to the prison. British actor Christopher Lee, who was 17 at the time, witnessed the whole event. Okay. That was but, my story. You never found out what a serete is? I don't know what that is, unless it's a place, that's a place in India, maybe. But, maybe Versailles, uh, Marie Antoinette, does that ring a bell? Anyway, it's in France. Okay. 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 That's cool. Alright, that's my story. And it was, don't hit the damn. <laughs> um, and now we have a word from our friends at Triple M. Yep. Murder Mystery and Mimosas. Yes. Which is a great podcast, by the way. We'll be right back. Hey Carly, what's up? I was just thinking about making people disappear. As one does. What about making people disappear? How there's so many mysteries and crimes we'll never solve, but feel compelled to try and solve. Oh, like Roanoke? Exactly! It's crazy how so many people could disappear without a trace and never be seen again. I know, and how they left clues but were never cracked. We talk about the 100 people of Roanoke that disappeared and so much more in our podcast. Murders, Mysteries, and Mimosas. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Join us as we delve through the mysteries of this world. We cover everything from unsolved murders, disappearances, secret societies, and conspiracy theories. And of course, grab your mimosa because this is about to get wild. Now back to our friends from Bad in the Boot Docks. All right. And we're back. It's time for Stand the Man. That's me. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> All right. Yes, it is. What is your story about? Charles Hatcher. If you cool, want to know cool, full cool. name, it's Charles Ray Hatcher. Cool, cool, cool. Okay. All right. Here we go. You ready? Buckle down. Mm-hmm. Charles Ray Hatcher was born July 16th, 1929, in Mound City, Missouri. Wow. A 
small town 34 miles north of St. Joseph. Wow, yours was yours was around the time that mine was, wasn't was it? it? When was World War One though? I'm I don't curious. know for real. I don't know. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It was, I think, early 90s. It was around. Yeah, there. it was back then in the day. Yes, okay. It was before World War II. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice fact. I didn't know that. He was the youngest of Jesse and Lula Hatcher's four children. His father was an ex-convict and an abusive alcoholic. Well, that's great. Hatcher was teased in school, and he would often inflict pain on his classmates. Like what kind of pain? Like Pain. Probably like stabbing. The kind that hurts. Like stabbing them with pencils and stuff, probably. Pinching. No, maybe. I bet you what it is. He gave what was it? He gave, X-Lights he gave, in their chocolate. He gave him paper cuts. Oh, yeah, I with bet the it paper. was. Yep. Mm-hmm. That, that's pain right there. In the spring of 1935, he and his older brothers were flying a kite with copper wire they had found in an old model T Ford. Copper wire? Yes. His oldest brother, Arthur Allen, was about to hand the kite to him when it hit a high voltage power line and electrocuted him. Oh my God. That and is that's the... sad, but I'm going to say <laughs> it wasn't the smartest thing. That is the most unluckiest thing that you can do. I mean, but who do? flies a kite with a copper wire, really? How do you even find... I don't even... How do you, wait, wait. How do you find a copper wire that's long enough to go up in the air? I don't Secondly, know. how do you make the kite stay up with the copper wire? I think the wind does that. That's what I've known. I know, kites. but a copper wire... I know what you're saying. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, like, it electrocuted him, and Arthur was pronounced dead at the scene. Oh, no. I bet you um, Charles was glad that he didn't get the kite from him, ain't he? Yeah, for real. Okay. Well, soon afterward, his father left home and divorced his mother. His mother remarried several times. Of course. And in 1945, Hatcher moved in with his mother and her third husband. They moved to St. Joseph. In 1947, Hatcher was convicted of auto theft in St. Joseph after stealing a logging truck from Iowa, Missouri Walnut Company. His employer of two weeks. So he had a job for two weeks, then stole one of their trucks. And then he got fired. Yes. So yeah. did he? Ever... Well, he was convicted. <laughs> so did he keep the truck? He was convicted. <laughs> yeah, but that don't mean that he couldn't keep He the received truck. a two year suspended sentence. Really? In 1948, he was convicted of auto theft a second time for stealing a 1937 Buick. In St. Joseph. Hatcher mm-hmm. was sentenced to two years in Missouri State Penitentiary. On June 8, 1949, Hatcher was released from prison after serving a little more than half of his time. However, he was back in prison in just a few months after being convicted of forging a $10 check at a gas station in Maryville. Come on now. It's only $10. On March 18, 1951, Hatcher escaped from prison and attempted a burglary, but was caught and received an extra two years in prison. Oh my gosh. Why is everything two years for him? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know neither. <laughs> After serving his additional time, Hatcher was released from prison. 
on July 14th of 1954. Well, guess what? What? He stole a 1951 Ford in Oregon. <laughs> he stole another car and was subsequently sentenced to four years in prison. That's how the Grand Theft Auto game was made. <laughs> Going on? Before he was sentenced, Hatcher attempted to escape from Ray County Jail in Richmond and received an additional two years. Oh, my God. Mm. <laughs> On March 18th, 1959, Hatcher was released from prison after the sixth prison sentence of his career. Wow. So. They, they love the number two, though. Yes, they do. All right. Well, guess what? On June 26th of 1959, now he got out of in March 18th, okay? Mm-hmm. Hatcher attempted to adopt a 16-year-old St. Joseph newspaper boy. Named Stephen Pelham, while threatening him with a butcher knife. Pelham reported the crime, and Hatcher was arrested when the police stopped him in a stolen vehicle. Oh my gosh. Yeah, but couldn't the little paper boy just ride away on his bicycle? Ring, ring. For real. (laughs) He did, and he went to the police station. Oh, I thought, oh, I said he, oh my gosh, I said he attempted. Okay. But he said, "No, Mister, I'm not through no, with my. Mister, pa- I'm, I'm not through away. with my paper route." <laughs> ring, ring. <laughs> and then he ran into some Mormon boys on their bicycles, <laughs> or that Jehovah's Witness. I don't know. It's one I don't of know. It's one of the. Uh, okay. Anyway, well, for this, Hatcher was sentenced to five years in the Missouri State Penitentiary. Finally, the- they. Get a different sentence. For the attempted abduction and auto theft under the Habitual Criminal Act, or HCA. While Hatcher was waiting to be transported to prison, he unsuccessfully attempted to break out of the Buchanan County Jail. When Hatcher arrived at the Missouri State Penitentiary, he claimed... (laughs) (laughs) He blamed? He claimed claimed. to be the most notorious criminal in Northwest Missouri since Jesse James. That's an understatement. Oh, yeah, it is. On July the 2nd of 1961, inmate Jerry Therrington was found raped and stabbed to death on the prison's kitchen loading dock. Hatcher was the only one missing from the kitchen crew at the time of the murder. Hmm. Wait, so so was that guy as well in the kitchen staff? The guy that died? I assume the guy he that was. Got killed? I assume he was. You know how stank he'd be? And he raped him. In the kitchen? In the kitchen. That is nasty. Where you eat. They better check. Where they prepare they better, salads They better and check whatnot. food. They better check food. So Cause some of that ain't special ingredients. <laughs> For real, some of that ain't meat. Uh, it's meat, all right. <laughs> oh wow, it's meat. <laughs> he was sent to solitary confinement for Therrington's murder, but there was not enough evidence to convict him in court. While in solitary confinement for the murder, Hatcher wrote a note claiming that he needed psychiatric treatment. However, the prison psychologist felt that it was simply a scheme to get out of solitary and possibly out of prison early. Are you through digging up your nose? Must you say that out loud? I mean, you are like constantly digging up your nose. No, I'm not. And yeah, I'm you can even t- you can <laughs> even tell. You're like, no, I'm not. <laughs> well, you know what? Everybody does it, so. Okay, I, whatever. I feel no shame. 
Thank no, you. you. I know you don't. Oh my God! Hurry up and finish. <laughs> Go. Keep on reading. Oh, Treatment wow. was refused, and Hatcher was returned to the general population. His sentence was reduced to three quarters the original time, and he was released on August twenty fourth, nineteen sixty three. Good for him. Good for him. On. You know, I feel like you um, know. <laughs> wonder what he's doing. You know what? I feel like whenever there are um. You know what I feel murders, like? Wait, wait. Whenever there are murders by other inmates in um, prison. Yes, that's where they usually are. I feel like. That's where like, inmates usually are. I feel like they let the person who killed them off because that's a less person in the penitentiary. Penitentiary. And this was Deep Thoughts by Jeru Williams. <laughs> now I, that I we really got do, that piece of. No, for real. I really do think that. They they normally do not, do or they really give, think it or, or they might give them a few more years. That's it. Do you really think that? Yes. Oh, I mean, you're like adamant. You're serious. serious. Okay. He is serious, folks. Where well, I am, but um, you can continue your story. Oh, thank you. After are you through with your deep thoughts? With my deep thoughts. intellectual thought. Okay. Okay. Words of Wisdom by Giroux. Keep going. On August 27th of 1969, Hatcher confessed to abducting a 12-year-old boy named William Freeman in Antioch, California. He claimed he had told the boy to come with him and took him to a creek and strangle him. Yeah. He wanted the boy to come with him, nasty yeah, freak. Exactly. On August 29th of 1969, two days later, six-year-old Gilbert Martinez was reported missing in San Francisco. Oh, poor Gilbert. According to the six-year-old girl with whom he was playing with, Martinez walked away with a man who offered him ice cream. Children. Oh, my God. Good Lord. Do not go with people offering ice cream, candy, puppies, kittens. Don't go with people. Well, nowadays, I don't even know. Nowadays, you get them for free Wi-Fi. That's how it works nowadays. <laughs> he was found by a man walking his dog as the boy was being beaten and sexually assaulted. Police arrived and arrested the assailant, who identified himself as Albert Ralph Price, although he carried identification with the name Hobart Prater. Really? Yes, that's a real name, Hobart Prater. Wow. Martinez survived the assault, and Federal Bureau of Investigation Records later identified the man as Charles, Charles Hatcher. Hatcher, yes. <laughs> Still going by the name Albert Price, Hatcher was charged charged with assault with attempt to commit sodomy and kidnapping. He was ordered to undergo competency evaluations to determine his competence to stand trial. A complete psychological evaluation was ordered when Hatcher was unresponsive during the preliminary evaluation. During this time, he claimed to hear voices and fake delusions and suicide attempts. In December of 1970, Hatcher was sent back and forth between the courts and hospitals multiple times. 
One psychiatrist diagnosed him as having a passive-aggressive personality with paraphilia and pedophilia. It was reported that the hospital staff felt Hatcher was fabricating or exaggerating the symptoms of his mental disorders. He was examined by two psychiatrists in January of 1971. He was declared insane by the first one, who recommended vigorous treatment in a secure hospital. The second psychiatrist declared him to be incompetent to stand trial and sent him back to the hospital. Said, fool crazy. That's full of it. Mm, he said, fool crazy, fool, you send back. Fool crazy, send him back to the hospital. But mama said I'm special. special. <laughs> wow, and that's all that matters. On May 24th of 1971, Hatcher was sent to trial and pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity. He was sent to a different hospital for more evaluations where it was determined that he was unfit to stand trial. So he needed to go work out more so he'd be fit. Exactly. Why didn't they come up with that? I don't know. (laughs) On June 2nd, Hatcher escaped from the hospital. He was caught a week later because he had the hospital gown on with his butt hanging out. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I made that up. Okay. (laughs) I know, but you've done Uh, that before. I know. You've done that. Yeah, and the nurse had to keep holding it shut for me. Oh, (laughs) wow. I did that actually less than a year ago. Walking down. I know you. Yeah, Yeah, for real. Not to mention, I was laying in the hallway of the hospital emergency room with my junk hanging out. (laughs) And this kind man came up after about an hour and said, I'm going to pull down your gown because your junk is hanging out. You said, thanks, that's the first thing that I'm worried about. No. I know. I I just said. That's exaggeration. I just said, okay. That's exaggerated. It was aired out, but okay. (laughs) Like you'd actually care. I didn't care. I know. I was wondering why all those same people kept walking back and forth. <laughs> they wanted to get a good <laughs> They view. weren't checking my pulse. <laughs> oh, wow. He was called a week later in Calusa and arrested for suspended auto theft. This freak needs to quit stealing cars. For real. That's how he gets caught every yeah. time. Under the name Richard Lee Grady. Hatcher was returned to the California State Hospital for a mental evaluation in April of 1972. And. Hello? I could just be saying. And hospital staff (laughs) determined that his treatment was unsuccessful and that he was a danger to other patients. After which he was sent to the prison state hospital in Vacaville. What is that? It's a place. Vacaville. Yeah. Oh, cool. In mm-hmm. August of 1972, Hatcher was transferred to San Quentin State Prison to stand oh. trial three oh, no. years after the crime. He was charged to undergo two final examinations. One declared him competent, and the other determined him to be sane. Okay. In so these, which one do you go to? Well, they're both the same. I thought you just said, oh, incompetent and then No, insane. no, no. I said competent. Oh, competent and then sane? Yes. Okay, That's... never mind. I thought you said incompetent and Anyway, then... in December of 1972, <laughs> Hatcher was tried for and convicted of the abduction and molestation of Martinez. In January, he was committed to the California State Hospital. 
as a mentally disordered sexual offender. On March 28, 1973, security guards found Hatcher hiding in a cooler near the hospital's main courtyard with two sheets stuffed into his pants like nobody would notice that. Oh, wow. After which he admitted to an escape attempt. He was sent back to court for sentencing after doctors determined he was still a threat to society. In April, Hatcher was sentenced to one year to life. Now, that is a huge difference. One year to life. Yes, that's a huge difference. And sent to a medium security prison in Vacaville. So he could get out in in one year. Or life. Which obviously didn't. What if you only live six months? Then that's, life that's, be a, a, that's sentence, a very then. unlucky life. In May 1973, a psychologist found Hatcher to be a manipulative, institutionalized sociopath. In June, he attempted suicide by slashing his wrist after it was recommended that be transferred to a maximum security prison. A psychiatrist diagnosed him with paranoid schizophrenia, and he remained at Vacaville. You know, you hear a lot of people um, attempting suicide by slashing their wrists. I know that's but, a thing. But a lot of people don't actually die from it. Sometimes I don't think they really want to. And they just do that. Personally, for, me, for I would just like spite of cut two fingers or something and then be like, oh my gosh, I'm Ugh. bleeding, you know? <laughs> I'm dying. I wouldn't even do that. I just, I don't even know what Dig I'd your do. nose? Sure. Because you're about Sure. To. No, it's not. In August, guards reported good behavior at Hatcher's parole review. And in June of 1976, the California Parole Board found that Hatcher had improved dramatically through his time in prison and set a parole date of December 25th. Oh, my God. So So he was. So was he insane or was he not insane? No, he was not. He was not insane, so yet he... You're confused. Wait, me. wait. Okay. You're confused. Wait, wait. I'll, I'll explain. He wasn't insane. He got mm-hmm. sentenced to one year to life. How long did he stand there to his parole hearing? Okay. One year to life was in... Um... Nineteen seventy-two. Mm-hmm. We're at, they got a parole date of December 25th, 1978. So he was only in there for, what, six six years for a person's murder. You're so smart! I know, but what gets to me is, what aggravates me is because the people that he killed doesn't get that same opportunity to get out of a situation. Because they're, they're dead. They're gone. Well, you're going to be even more frustrated because but, I mean, I, as a result of the passage of a bill that gave inmates credit for time spent in jails and mental hospitals, Hatcher actually got a modified parole date for January 1977. Nesmith, I just don't understand. I just don't. He was released to a halfway house in San Francisco on May 20th, 1977. Are you serious? Five years. On May 26, 1978, four-year-old Eric Christian 
disappeared in downtown St. Joseph, Missouri. See, I mean... His body later turned up along the Missouri River. He had been sexually abused and died of suffocation. The police questioned more than 100 possible suspects, including, quote, every known pervert in town, unquote. Oh, oh my gosh. Okay. One of them was Melvin Reynolds, a 25-year-old man of limited intelligence who had been sexually abused himself as a child and who had some homosexual episodes as an adolescent. Reynolds, although extremely agitated by the investigation, cooperated through several interrogations over a period of months, including two polygraph examinations and one interrogation under hypnosis. Things were different back in the day. In December of 1978, he was questioned under sodium amytal, or the truth serum, as it's otherwise known, <laughs> yeah, right. and made an ambiguous remark that intensified police suspicion. Two months later, in February of 1979, the police brought the still cooperative Reynolds in for another round of interrogation. Fourteen hours of questions, promises, and threats. Oh, my God. Finally, Reynolds gave in and said, I'll say so if you want me to. In the weeks that followed, Reynolds embellished this confession with details that were fed to him deliberately or otherwise. That was enough to convince the prosecutor to charge Reynolds and to convince a jury to convict him of second-degree murder. He was sentenced to life imprisonment. Four years later, Reynolds was released when Charles Hatcher confessed to three murders, including that of Eric Christian. Oh, my God. On July 29th, hikers found the nude, ravaged body of 11-year-old Michelle Steele, beaten and strangled to death on a bank of the Missouri River near St. Joseph. Hatcher was arrested next day as he tried to check in at the St. Joseph State Hospital. While awaiting trial, he confessed to 15 other child murders, dating from 1969. The first victim... 12-year-old William Freeman had disappeared from Antioch, California in August of that year, one day before Hatcher was charged with child molestation in San Francisco. Wait, so he was only charged with one murder at that time that he was in the... Yes. And he's confessed... Murder for what? For... Uh... Okay, he was charged with the molestation. Oh, for five? For the paper boy. That was the five years? What was the five five years? Do I have to go back up there? Was that for that? I'm just asking. Or was it for the murder? It was for... The molestation. Okay. Pay attention next time. I was, but I'm just saying, like... In another case, Hatcher pinned a crude map that led searchers to the remains of, train, uh, of James Churchill, buried on the grounds of the Rocks Island Army Arsenal in Iowa. It was then that he also confessed to the murder of Eric Christian. 
He was convicted of the Christian homicide in October 1983 and drew a term of life imprisonment with no parole for at least 50 years. Facing his second Missouri conviction a year later for the murder of Michelle Steele, Hatcher requested a death sentence, but the jury refused, recommending life on December 3rd of 1984. Four days later, Hatcher hung himself in his cell at the state prison in Jefferson City. Wow. The freaking end. That's messed up. Everything's messed up. Yeah. It's all messed up. Your story's got me down. My stories usually do get people down. Good Lord. Gosh. I never really have an upbeat story. No, you don't. No, and just as a warning next week's is really, really intense because it is 23 pages of notes. I know. (laughs) Wow. That's going to be uh, a long one, folks. All right, that's what we got for you today. And guess what? If you're not a patron... You're about to miss out on a mini episode that we're going to release in a little bit. So if you go to patreon.com, look up Bad in the Boondocks and join one of the tiers, you will be able to listen to this super special patron-only episode. Yeah. If you don't, you can't. Yeah. Well. I have been Stan. And I'm always Drew. And... This has been Bad in the Boondocks, baby. How do you say that? Um, Bad in the Boondocks, baby. Not that. Uh, that uh, that's all, folks, or something like that. that, that, that that's all, folks. Beep, beep. Oh, my gosh. Beep, beep. <laughs> yeah.